This is the Progression Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Anthemson. What's up, folks? Thanks for tuning in. Um, it is good to be back. It has been a long break for me, and I apologize. I've been super slammed with real, quote-unquote, real work for the last month. Uh, but it looks like I'm going to have a little bit more time dropping the episode with Dylan here and Julia today. I got one with William Branham that I recorded a little while ago, long while ago, actually, that I'm going to drop here in the next couple days, and then we're going to be back on it. So thank you guys for putting up with me, and I appreciate all of the messages and get on it, Eric's, that I have received. Um, some people saying that the drive isn't much fun anymore. Some folks that have finished going through the whole catalog, which is mind-blowing to me that you guys have listened to all 65, 70 episodes, whatever it is. Super honored that uh, you guys have done that and just stoked to be able to share this journey with everybody. But um, let's dive into uh, this, this uh, episode, some thoughts before we get started. Today's guests are Dylan Fish and Julia Mancuso. So Dylan is the one of the one of the managers of Tavarua Island, which is probably one of the coolest surf positions that you can have in the entire world has logged more hours and barrels than I have probably logged surfing. Uh, and his wife, Julia, is an absolute legend, uh, an Olympic gold medal winner. Let me pull this up real quick so I can give you guys the details. She um gold medalist in the giant slalom in 2006 and silver medals in downhill and combined in 2010. Um, and a bronze medalist in combined in 2014. So that's pretty insane right there. Um, one of the best athletes that I have had the honor to interview and just super stoked that they came on the show together and they're both foil brained. And looking at Instagram today, I saw Julia surfing at seven months pregnant. And we go into that a little bit because she got some backlash on Instagram from for doing rad things while pregnant and gives her point of view on that, which which is really cool to hear. So you guys are gonna love the show and I'm stoked to bring it to you. Before we dive in, some thoughts on my journey in foiling here over the last month since I've been a ghost. I've gone back to shortboarding a good bit. I got a little good run of waves and I am exploring currently the, so let me take a step back here. I am a big believer that when you start to hit plateaus and sticking points, it is best not to brute force through those in your discipline, but to go into other areas, similar most of the time, and see what that will unlock from a creative or an unfolding perspective. And so I started hitting some plateaus in foiling. And I know that there's a few things stylistically and then technically that maybe are, are on the horizon, but I wasn't really getting from A to B. And I didn't know what was holding me up in those, in those places. So I've taken a step back or forward, however you want to look at it. And I started shortboarding a, a good bit again. And what I think is interesting is this idea of quick versus fast. And so... Foiling is fast and it is consequential. Um, the speeds that you're going on a foil uh, in the same waves are much higher than the speeds that you're surfing at. Um, and the technical 
the, the technical flight on a foil, the micro adjustments that are always happening, uh, it's a very dialed in space. But it's not quick like shortboarding is. I mean, everything happens in shortboarding in a much smaller time horizon because your lines aren't, you're not able to draw out as far into the flats. You're not able to cover as much ground. You have much more time in foiling to set something up. You know, the wave that I'll chip in on a foil sometimes isn't even the wave that I want to ride. You know, I'll, I'll just chip in, pop up, get my feet right, pump, and I'll start looking around the landscape for what, what waves I want to foil. And in shortboarding, it's the exact opposite. Generally, you're taking off knowing that the section you want to hit is 10 feet away, 15 feet away. And so your feet have to be money on the drop and, and you have to be setting up for that turn um, immediately, you know, you're hitting the lip or you're doing a cutback, you're coming back. And so everything in shortboarding is happening much faster, though at a lower speed and a uh, lesser consequence. And so my mind, my trajectory in surfing has been probably seven or eight years ago, I kind of left shortboarding behind and I got really competitive into stand-up surfing, did a multi-year dive into that, about four or five years. and then got into foiling and now I've been on a two-year dive in foiling. And so it's been a good while since I have really taken on shortboarding and, and felt that from a, from a real level. And what that has taught me in foiling now, what it has opened up is appreciating the amount of time you have. It's made my feet incredibly sensitive and it has allowed me to see surf lines again in a new way. And I do a lot of surf coaching and some other stuff on the side. And, you know, part of the reason that I wanted to get back into shortboarding a little bit is because I didn't think I was accurately articulating um, certain things about about coaching and shortboarding or in surfing in general. And going back and shortboarding now for a little while, and I've been, my goal is to surf and foil every day that I get in the water. So I'm, I'm doing both. So it's not like I've dropped out of foiling in any way, shape, or form. I'm still foiling, and foiling is my goal for training. But I'm using surfing as a, as a vessel for that training right now. And it's working because I feel like I've just broken through two or three areas where, um, where I've been stuck for the last month or two. And so, you know, Foil Wizard's been championing this for a long time, but it really does help. And I, I don't know if it's necessarily just surfing that would help. I want to bring in skating at the same time. I'm going to try to get in a bunch of mini ramp sessions here soon because I think that will do the same thing. I think it's about foot sensitivity. That's one of the things that I've noticed now in my foiling is that I'm moving my front foot more. Um, I am more sensitive to feels. I think becoming reacquainted to the shortboard rail and feeling because it's so different than foiling. Foiling is a heavy... It's a heavy feeling under your feet as you're turning. And shortboarding, the adjustments in a rail turn are, are much smaller than foiling. I'm not talking about flight management, which is, is technical in its own right and, and very nuanced, but I'm talking about not bogging a rail through a full rail turn. Um, and maybe it's more nuanced now because I'm so used to foiling that my mind is consciously working to keep the rail in the right spot. But Whatever it is, that has made me much more sensitive now going back to foil to where I feel more locked in than I've ever felt. 
So it's really cool. And I'm, I'm incredibly stoked on it. Um, so give it a go. If you haven't hopped on a shortboard in a little while, you should do it. The other thing I should say is that I have been on the Lift 150 V2 now for the last month. That's the wing I've been almost exclusively riding. The last week I've gone back to the Stealth 200 and that that foil just bangs harder than I mean anything I've ridden. So so comfortable in white water. But the Lift 150 V2 and I didn't I tried to love the 200 V2. And it just was missing something for me. And I almost wrote it off, but then I decided, ah, I'll try the 150. And that thing is magic. It might, I don't know. I don't want to say it's the best at anything because I love everything. And when I'm training in something, I always think it's the best. So I'm I'm careful about giving those accolades, but it's an incredible foil. It does pretty much everything that you want it to do. And with the 34 tail, I'm riding a 34 tail. I'm base plate shimming it. I've got it super far up in the JS, which those boxes are far up. I've got it forced all the way to the front um, with the base plate shim 34 tail. And that setup is incredibly good. And I can't wait to, uh, I haven't had an opportunity. I'm up north right now, which means that I don't get video because when we're in Florida, um, it's pretty easy for my wife to, to walk out back. She loves to video, but up here it's chilly and She's not that excited about it. So there's been no video. So I apologize on that. But I hope that it will show the work that I've been doing will show um, so that you guys can understand like this, this training process. So I um, guess that's about it. You can get it big win. You can get it at big wins. Um, if you guys want to hit up TJ there. So, all right, let's dive in to the show. Um, Dylan and Julia. And thank you guys for hanging in there. Shoot me questions, comments, feedback on Instagram, that's the best way. Or shoot me an email, eric, E-R-I-K, at progressionproject.com. And um, thanks. Julia, Dylan, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. I've wanted to do this for a while, and I'm stoked it finally lined up, so I appreciate it. Our pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us. Let's start off It's a foiling podcast for the most part with themes of learning um, and flow, but let's start with foiling and just talk us through how you guys got into it and in the beginning and doing it together. I think that's so rad. Yeah, we, uh, we actually took advantage of an opportunity to learn uh, on a lake in California, uh, which I think was really awesome. And it was really fun to be able to sort of jump on at the same time and kind of start figuring it out together with uh, some of Julia's family. Lots of laughs, lots of crashes, uh, but definitely picked it up a little quicker than I think uh, either one of us would have had we tried uh, here on Maui, which we did have the opportunity to do paddling into waves. Uh, Well, I did actually remember I tried and you were like, don't do it. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, (laughs) Julia was trying to get back to the Olympics and was dealing with some uh, body injury issues. And we were hanging out down at the beach here on Maui at Thousand Peaks with some friends and they were trying and we were actually getting on a plane, I think, to go to California or to travel the next day. And she decided to do it. And I tried to talk her out of it and she didn't have a lot of success. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did not hurt myself like you said I was going to. Well, I would have hurt myself is what I said. <laughs> Which what, was that for- <laughs> what was that first experience like? um well it was pretty much just 
paddling out aboard with foil on it, hitting the bottom a few times. <laughs> Sorry, Paige. <laughs> and then um, not being, you know, trying to catch the wave and before even being able to stand up that it would shoot out of my, out from underneath my body. But there were a couple guys out there doing it and it looked really fun. So we were super intrigued, but we also, like Dylan was saying, we were going back to where we knew we had a boat on a lake that we could practice in a really just calm environment so we were going to go back and like learn and do it behind the boat a bunch and get better and then get our gear together to do it in Maui. Epic. Julia, how seriously have you taken on the learning process? And in the intro, we'll cover your background, but I mean, you've achieved success at the highest level possible. And I'm sure that you have become incredibly adept at training at a high level. Are you taking on foiling in the same mindset? Um, well, I've always done sports, so I definitely wouldn't say that I would take on the same mindset. I think I treat sports and fun and like the opposite mindset of what I did with ski racing because it was so focused and the sports outside of it, which I feel like completely enhance your athletic ability. I really believe in just being a well-rounded athlete. I think it all can just raise the level of every other sport that you're doing, but um, yeah, spoiling to me was just about fun, but what I did initially love about it and the reason why I think it was something that stuck with me so much. And I know Dylan agrees is like, we love surfing, but foiling is another one of those sports where it's more of a guaranteed exercise and you get so much out of it in your legs and the pumping. And there's always something you can be better. I mean, obviously I could always work on things with surfing, but you need a good wave to do that. Whereas foiling, mm -hmm. the better you are, the shittier the waves that you can do incredible things on. Yeah. Do you find that you're getting more shared moments on the foil than on the surfboard? I, and I don't know, I haven't seen a lot of you foiling, Julia, but I know, Dylan, what you do at Tabaru is just absolutely mental. Um, are you getting more shared experiences on the foil than you do say at those epic days at cloud break just because of the um, barriers to entry? Well, we're really fortunate enough to have a jet ski that helps us foil in Fiji. <laughs> so um, yes, it's a extreme bonding experience with each other. I get yelled at for doing the wrong thing. Like I'm not a motor <laughs> junkie kind of person. Like I did not grow up, like we hated jet skis because I grew up in Lake Tahoe where it's like, you know, those were the annoying like flies of the lake and it's a totally different thing and tool in the ocean. And I never really got into snowmobiling. So being behind the steering wheel is kind of funny. <laughs> and so, yes, we have a lot of fun boiling together and it like most of it, I mean, we do a lot more paddling now, but in the beginning days to get the, time on I mean also in Fiji the waves are super long they're three minutes long and you're not going to paddle back out so we do a lot of tow assist and um I would be Dylan's tow partner and he's taught me a lot <laughs> it's a good thing uh this is a podcast and there's no video because we're laughing at each other right now we, we've had a few entertaining moments on the jet ski um what's the best one yeah, it's uh, it's fun, and most we, people don't recommend having their significant other <laughs> <laughs> tow them. Well, it goes both ways, honey. 
Yeah, but you're so good. <laughs> um, I'm going to answer that question by saying that we have a lot of shared moments together surfing because whenever we surf together, she drops in on me on pretty much every wave possible. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but the party waves on the foil are a lot more fun. And I actually haven't surfed in two years, so uh, we definitely have more fun and more shared moments foiling together than surfing. She surfs with her friends, and uh, yeah, we foil together quite a bit. How come you haven't surfed in so long? So I had a really bad uh, injury. Uh, I think we're just over two-year anniversary. Yeah, I think it was April 30th, uh, two years ago. I shattered my foot and uh, spiral fractured my fibula, uh, surfing cloud break. And wow. it's been a long road back. Uh, I had three different surgeries and I've done a lot of PT and just tried to kind of figure out a lot of different things. But uh, yeah, I had to learn how to walk again first. And coiling uh, wow. has just been a, a godsend. Uh, it, it's just been amazing to be able to get the amount of time I get in the ocean kind of cross training. And you can only spend so much time in a gym and working with physical therapists trying to get atrophy and, and normal you know, body function back, uh, after a bad injury. And I mean, the, uh, the intention was never to quit surfing, but I don't know. I just haven't gotten back on the horse and I don't know when I will, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's hard to do. I mean, for those of us who enjoy foiling, uh, it's just a real different experience and you go out and have a really good time and in, in mediocre waves with a lot of nice people and the vibes are super good and uh yeah it's just it's hard to motivate to go and surf crowded breaks with people that are not always happy and definitely not encouraging each other it's it's a little bit more competitive and uh I just haven't haven't gotten there yet uh mentally probably at this point more than physically uh I I have range of motion issues with my ankle uh, that are pretty bad still and, and quite limiting, but I, I'm sure I could surf if I chose to just waiting for the right opportunities. Got to be empty cloud break for you, I would assume. That's really what I've been waiting for. And like I said, I didn't ever plan to go two years without surfing, but, uh, you know, obviously I had the injury and, and it took a while to get physically ready. And, uh, the last time we were in Fiji, I had the intention of getting back on the horse, uh, on several different occasions. Every time we had a swell, I was kind of gearing up for it and something didn't click, whether it was the conditions or the crowd or a little twinge in my back or something the night before. Uh, I've got some back issues also. Um, yeah, I just didn't happen. Uh, November uh, last year, I, I guess it was two years ago now, I was getting ready to go. Uh, there was a, a swell on my birthday, actually. And uh, yeah, I was going to give it a go and didn't happen. And then I uh, had a couple more opportunities. There was a Christmas swell when uh, some people actually flew in and it was as good as it gets, but super, super heavy, uh, 10 feet and this crazy long period. And it was definitely not the right opportunity to <laughs> see if I could get my feet again. And I actually had a really weird experience. Uh, I, I didn't surf for a year when I started foiling again, not intentionally. I just was really excited about foiling and every day there was an opportunity to get in the water. It was like the waves were average and it was all time for foiling. And so, uh, yeah, we were traveling quite a bit and I just wasn't in Fiji and I didn't surf for a whole year. And when I tried to surf again, uh, 
if you ever want to get somebody on the podcast to tell you about it other than me, uh, there's a, a good friend of ours here on Maui, Paige Alms, uh, and another dear friend, Issei Tokovo, uh, and Gavin Kennelly over on Kauai was there also. Uh, there was a few people out, but it was a, you know, a proper West Swell, uh, solid day at cloud break. And I could not get to my feet and they watched me go head over heels or I prefer ass over tea kettle. Uh, three times in a row just couldn't even get to my feet just everything was forward and uh, I was on some real big foils at the time and just kind of real front footed and uh, taken off you're you know having to really be mindful of that on the foil to not have it pop out and it sort of over the course of a year became second nature to just be way forward everything was just forward center of gravity uh, and it did not translate very well to dirty west eight foot slabs at cloud break <laughs> <laughs> So I went back to my jet ski and sat there contemplating a lot of things uh, for quite some time until Paige came over and made me paddle back out. And rather than trying to knife straight into the barrel on a proper one, I took off on a shoulder and got my feet very wobbly, uh, very, very strange feeling. And yeah, uh, it was a kind of a long road back just to figure out how to stand up on a surfboard again. Uh, I'm not going to say that I've ever learned how to surf again the way you're supposed to, but I got comfortable enough before my injury to at least go out and get in the mix when the waves were barreling and, and you know, slide in and grab my rail and really that's it, uh, <laughs> which is kind of, I guess, when you're foiling as much as we do, all you really miss about surfing uh, is, is riding the barrel. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of back on the horse, so to speak, just uh, trying to make sure I was physically in shape, which we love about foiling too. It's great cross training for, for surfing. You, you know, you go out and prone paddle foil every day in the current, those long waves and everything else, and paddle those small boards back out. And when there's an actual swell and you want to go surf, you, uh, you're definitely physically on your game to, to paddle anyway. Um, so yeah, I kind of had a good little balance going and I changed my equipment up quite a bit so that it wasn't as front footed and uh, got a little bit more of a surfy feel out of the foil. Uh, rather than the kind of front foot snowboard thing uh, and then yeah I had the, the leg injury and two years later uh, I definitely love foiling as much as I ever have <laughs> maybe more <laughs> you know I get asked that all the time too because I mean I'm just selling boards like it's my job right now surfboards and everyone's you know like when are you ever going to surf again and I was like I don't know I mean I live on the east coast I used to live in Costa Rica and it's like bar getting barreled is the only thing I miss. Literally, it's the only thing I miss. And generally on the days that it would be good to be crowded and you're dealing with that. And I mean, foiling just gives me all of those same feels. Is there anything besides the barrel? I and mean, you kind of just mentioned it, but, you know, big turns. If anyone doesn't miss surfing, I mean, if, if you don't miss surfing, um, it's the best ad for, for foiling ever, basically, with the amount of wave time you've logged it probably arguably one of the best breaks in the whole entire world i don't miss surfing <laughs> <laughs> that's wild i i miss the idea of surfing sometimes right yeah i mean i have a lot of friends obviously that tease me uh because i don't surf anymore and <laughs> i like to play around with a wing too here on maui with the uh with the foil which kind of takes it to a whole nother level your your friends are all laughing at you because you quit surfing the foil and then you pick up a wing and you start getting <laughs> called a wind kook and all these other things um but now i i really don't miss it and not not here on maui anyway uh we've been here for most of the last year and 
I don't even think about it most days. It's, uh, you know, just not something that crosses my mind. If, if we do get back to Fiji one of these days, I will definitely uh, try and relearn how to surf there. I mean, I, I'm definitely waiting for that um, subconsciously, but I guess I just verbalized it. Yep. Yeah. You're on Armstrong gear now. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I, I've been on the Armstrong stuff for quite a while now. I uh, started off with uh, Alex's GoFoils here on Maui initially. Actually, we learned on a slingshot behind the boat in Tahoe, and it was a funny story. Uh, Julia's dad took us, um, and he had tried one day with his wife and daughter uh, before we had gotten there, and they couldn't do it at all. And they got home and realized that they had the tail wing on upside down. And so we, we went back out with them, I think, the next day. And, uh, yeah, we learned with uh, them and uh, Julia's sister and her husband, my brother-in-law, uh, and just had a great time with that. And then uh, got on the GoFoil stuff here on Maui for a while. And I kind of tried everything for a while. I, I was looking for something different until I got on the Armstrong gear. And uh, I always laugh. It's it's rather cliche but everything I, I say all foils have good things about them I try and say positive things about every foil I've ever ridden but the Armstrong uh, this was the the old CF 1200 when they came out with it uh, was love at first flight <laughs> and it was, <laughs> that's so funny I was going to ask you a question with that <laughs> that's classic yeah I, I mean I'm sure everybody uses it at this point but this was yeah. uh, this was a couple years back and uh, yeah it was a, it was fun uh, and that foil just really kind of had everything and yeah, it's come a long way since then, but I, I still love that, that 1200. Yeah. I have the new Armstrong big wins. I, um, I do a bunch of stuff with big wins and, and they hook up gear all the time. They just started carrying Armstrong. So I have some, some Armstrong gear headed my way. My, my son rides, he's like 75 pounds and the Armstrong 850 HS is the best for him thus far. Yeah, because he can, you know, pump it and still surf it, and yeah, it's it's epic. Yeah, b bigger guys, I I think you and I probably are uh, are pushing the two hundred pound mark, uh, and we definitely yep. are at a disadvantage. And kids are uh, they're they're loving life. I I think that the gear is definitely better for kids, and they can ride just about anything they want because it doesn't flex and do all the things that it does when you start getting into the you know yep. 180, 190, 200 pound club. Uh, yeah. but yeah, the, the 850 is an amazing wing. I, uh, I wing on that quite a bit and I love it. I, I really do like it. And, uh, you're going to love the gear when they send you some. <laughs> so the, the 850 seems really small to wing on winds must be nuking. Yeah. That, I would assume. Yeah. Strong winds and, and big surf. We get pretty, uh, we get pretty solid surf here on Maui on the North shore in the winter yeah. time. And, uh, it just, it's kind of a, a challenge. It's a catch 22. You, you need a small foil, obviously for, for larger waves, but the winds are not always as consistent in the winter time. And you end up uh, kind of playing a game where you, you need a big enough hand wing, the kite and, and a big enough board to float and get that little foil up on foil. And once you're up on foil, it's fine, but that one can be a little bit tricky to get on foil, especially with the currents and stuff that we have out here. You really got to get a little bit of board speed moving forward. And sometimes when the current and the wind are opposing uh that can be a challenge but yeah. once you're up on foil that thing's magic it's epic i just got bit with the wind bug still a kook for sure but i've had i've had enough moments now where i know it's a part of my you know repertoire yeah i think it's different you know location wise we 
are pretty lucky to be on the North Shore of Maui, and I think it's arguably the best place on the planet for it. So I've yeah. really embraced it. And coming back from my injury uh, here on Maui, it was interesting. There's only so many sort of prone opportunities, uh, depending on the time of year with wind and, and swell and even having to drive. We live on the North Shore in the summertime. You, you know, you got to run over to the, the other side. Uh, south and west to really get surf a lot of the times and I never thought that I would get into the wind thing I actually grew up windsurfing here on Maui a lot of people don't know that about me and I try not to talk about it very often because again I get teased but uh yeah it, I never really thought that I would have a wind sport again and when the kind of wing thing came out with the foil I wasn't interested at all uh those big boards and stuff I've always liked riding smaller uh, foil boards I just the knee start and the big board and all that stuff I just really wasn't attracted to it. And uh, there's a kid here, actually, uh, who I started following on Instagram. I've, I've never met him, but uh, his name's Tiquan. Uh, and he's from New Caledonia, but he spends a lot of time here on Maui. And I'm sure anybody in the uh, wind foil sort of genre at this point knows who he is. But he, he, rips, yeah. he, he posted a video of water starting a little four foot uh, board and doing these just big arcs on, you know, downwind open ocean swell just wind swell here and i was like whoa okay that looks fun how do you do that and i think he posted another instructional video water starting and i was like okay i can do that and so uh, i picked up a wing and just went down to kanaha and uh it, it's it's been a fun ride it really has i i picked it up pretty quick with the sort of windsurfing background and the foiling uh under control and a lot of people ask me, you know, how do you get into it? And is it, is it hard to learn? And, you know, I think it's different for everyone. If you are an avid kiter, for example, and really good on a foil, I don't think that translates quite as well as, as having the windsurfing background, but I think anybody can learn it. And every, you know, location in the world's kind of got a different setup, but if you're, uh, if you're somewhere windy and you like to foil, it definitely uh, adds a lot of days. Are y'all into the downwind scene out there? Yeah, we uh, we do that quite a bit. Last summer, we got really into it. And um, I'm not sure what uh, gear you're getting from Armstrong, but they just came out with their new uh, HA1125, the, the high aspect. And I've been super excited about that. There's a group of guys over on Oahu that are all doing the uh, kind of prone downwinder where they chip in and, you know, ride mm -hmm. halfway around the island. And uh the the downwind with the wing last summer was super fun but it kind of got a little bit not boring but just you know you are always looking for something new and challenging it it got easy definitely uh the excitement kind of got taken out and the idea of chipping into a wave and going out in the open ocean and trying to follow the bumps all the way down the coast with the consequences of falling and having to paddle in is definitely something that we're interested in picking up this summer and so uh yeah Armstrong came out with that high aspect thing which i think is definitely going to make that uh, a little bit more of a possibility i wasn't scared mm -hmm. to try it on the more mid aspect stuff that they make just because i'm so comfortable on it uh you know turning it and even pumping it i i don't know what's uh i don't know what's better being super comfortable on the equipment that you ride all the time and knowing exactly how it's going to react all the time when you're out in the middle of the ocean or having something that just glides effortlessly yeah i don't know it's a tough call i would say you know I have found that I just started using the lift 120 for my, we call them shore runners. We don't in Florida, we don't really have real downwinders, but when you get side shore wind, you chip in and then you pump out and you can basically run 
the windswell down the beach in and out of the surf zone. It's epic because it's kind of a mix of surfing and you get whitewater sections and then you're back out riding bumps a little bit. And that, um, that little lift 120, it's so efficient that it actually is saving me energy over, and I have a lot of different high aspect wings. It just seems that for me, smaller is better. I, when I got it, I laughed because I, you know, being a buck 90, I was like, there's zero chance I'm riding this thing, 700. <laughs> and it's, you know, once you get it up to speed, it's fine. And it's so efficient that I can ride the smallest bumps on that wing and I can keep up with them where, you know, my other high aspect wings, I'm working more because you need a bigger bump to, to fly it. Interesting. Just, yeah, it doesn't seem, you know, counterintuitive for sure. But, I look um, forward to learning a little bit about it this summer. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of taken over my mind a little bit because I, the, 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 the 120 has opened up surfing on the bumps to me. Before that was never really an option, but now it's efficient enough to where I can do pretty decent turns on almost nothing and keep the momentum. And so that's kind of all I want to do now. <laughs> you know, like, that sounds amazing. And the consequences are definitely a little lower if you're doing shore runners uh, close yeah, enough to the beach yeah. where you can just, you know, paddle in a 50 meters or yards and, and chip into another wave. You're not out in the ocean right. with some large creatures swimming around. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, you mentioned the slingshot. The, the Did you guys learn on that Manta, that huge Manta slingshot wing? Was that it? No, it was a, I don't even remember, to be honest. It was pretty small, though. Okay. The first wing I ordered was, I think it's like a 250. It was a slingshot Manta. And I mean, you look at this thing now and I think, I don't even know how big it was, a 2400 maybe. And my first trip using it was in Costa Rica and overhead waves. <laughs> it was, it was classic, man. Um, yeah. I looked down at one point though, and there was an actual uh, stingray swimming like in formation with me which I thought was, was pretty epic. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we get some uh, nice fish chasing our foils around down in Fiji in the clear blue waters quite often. Yeah. Um, you, you, better, know, you better ask Julia a question here. I think she's going to fall asleep. I'm, I'm getting the, oh my gosh, they're talking about foiling look. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, are, what are you doing on the foil, Julia? Like, What aspects of the fort, uh, sport have you embraced so far? I think if there's any wives or ladies listening to this they can relate like guys only want to talk about gear and it's really funny because we're like foiling again (laughs) (laughs) i love talking about foiling obviously that's the purpose we're here but um i (laughs) really uh i joke because you know i've in ski racing i always had a technician but did my skis and like you know we would talk about what works and didn't doesn't work it was a good team that's like dylan he's my foil tech so I'm always asking him what I should be riding. And <laughs> I, I also have to set up all of her gear for her and, and rinse it all and all that stuff. too. It's really great. Yeah. The perks of what are you on Julia? Wild. But um, I, I mostly my favorite wing for um, prone right now is the Armstrong 1250. Okay. Um, I have that one. Did you chop the tips or are you riding it stock? I didn't yet, but we want to try that. But I, I've been like, I mean, we just got it, and even through my last pregnancy, I've just kind of been a little slow to my feet, so I really like how stable it is. I don't necessarily catch the waves early enough, 
So after I catch the whitewater, it's super stable to stand mm-hmm. up. Are you confusing the 1250 with the new VT1550? No. Because you said we just got it. And you've well, had the 1250 for a year. I have not. A year? Okay, well, time goes by really fast. It's been months. I don't think it's been a year. But I've been reading <laughs> that one. Um, and But before that, yeah, I was writing mostly what was the 1050 writing the 1050 I just find that it doesn't pump as easy and so I like Mm -hmm. to have a little freedom to you know pump around but I also can handle it on the waves so I really like the 1250 it was super fast and then I'd say we wing more though than anything especially now being pregnant I can still wing and um that setup is the 1050 and we got the new tail wing which I don't know what any of the names are for things. Funny story. We uh, just did a quick trip to California to go and see the doctor uh, for the baby. And we're six months pregnant now, basically. And I ended up selling all of Julia's gear while we were there. We brought foil gear and we foiled a little bit while we were there. And then I sold her gear because I was thinking that that would discourage her from going out and doing anything crazy with the baby and stuff and uh, six months pregnant yeah and then we got home and so she just stole all my gear now and she just rides all my stuff um so it kind of backfired <laughs> on me a little bit and armstrong's actually having to send us more gear right now uh that's but, awesome yeah <laughs> but whatever that new tailwing is the, i rode that the other day and it was awesome the new uh the new fv 200 is crazy it's just uh yeah it's amazing we've both been riding it uh, actually, ever since we got home from that trip, it, it showed up when we were gone. And it's it's next level. It really is. And then winging is like, I guess, from an equipment standpoint, changing to the 100 mass. So when we go out, like we used to ride 85 mass and I just changed to the 100 and it's it's so much more stable and forgiving. And um, that's really made a huge difference in riding waves for me as well. That's epic. I, I I've never been on a mass bigger than probably seventy five. Um, how does it? What's the difference? What? How does it feel? Um, well, it's like you don't pop. It's weird because in some ways it feels a little heavier, especially to get going. Okay. But and you you know to find that glide point to pump, you have to ride it a little higher, obviously, because the swing weight and like how much of the foil is underwater. But once you find that it just doesn't pop out as much you just have that little bit more of forgiveness when you hit a boil or you hit a current um and so it just makes it like for me personally I just feel more confident to try to lay it over more because that's something like I really don't want to crash especially being pregnant (laughs) so it's like (laughs) gives me just a little more confidence when I'm out riding especially because on the North Shore of Maui it's like we go out when it's pretty big. There's some pretty big winter swell days and um, it gets pretty scary. <laughs> and you get going really fast and there's a lot of water moving sure. and just having that little bit more of play, um, you know, just makes me feel personally more confident and more because it's more stable. So it might be a little stiffer, but it yeah. gives you more, I don't know, don't you agree? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. It it definitely uh it just gives you a little bit more play with the chop and the, the current and the bump and everything else. You can, you know, not overfoil in situations where you would with a shorter mast. And um the eighty five is is great from Armstrong, but 
the 100. Not many people are winging on it, to be honest. Most people wing on the 85. And in a lot of conditions, that's probably fine. But I've just found um, I had one sitting in my garage for ages and never even thought about using it. And I had a couple of bad experiences on really big days out here and decided that I was going to try it out. And I've never gone back, not once. It's crazy. Even in small waves, I just prefer it. It really gives you the extra angle. You can kind of lay your foil over a lot more without your uh, wingtips uh, breaching. And yeah, yeah there's no, uh, there, there's just no downside for me. I love it. The only reason why I wouldn't use it is if it was too shallow somewhere um, to get up on foil. And I think a lot of people have that, that problem. We have a nice deep water sort of starting point. There's a little keyhole through the reef that we go out and we have a lagoon that we can kind of get up and go. That's plenty deep. Um, but a lot of people, I think probably when, especially your deep water starting a hundred centimeter mast and your board sunk underwater, you definitely can't do that at, at every location, but yeah, I really, I like the hundred mast. Right on. Let's segue a little bit here. And I think this is going to be an interesting conversation because of your backgrounds, um, getting barreled at cloud break and the intensity of uh, downhill and, and world-class competition um, in, in skiing. And that is flow states. Are you guys familiar with the term flow states and um, what those are? I was thinking Julia was going to answer this one and just kind of hit it out of the park, but she's pointing at me. So um, the last time I saw the term flow state was on your Instagram, I believe. <laughs> okay. So. So I'll give a little bit of, of background if you guys want me to, and then and then I'd like to dive into how you relate to these states because it's something that I have found ever since I was a kid, I've just been addicted to these. And, and I tend to organize my life around just access to deep flow states, whether that's surfing or playing music or um, driving, now foiling. And so the flow state is that feeling of kind of the world zeroing in when you're in an intense moment and your senses are heightened. Some people experience that and time seems to kind of slow down. Um, and I guess I think foiling is so addictive and so many of us have become absolutely foil brained because you have access to that state, whether it's on a downwinder or in a steep section and a shore break or, or whatever it is, um, so much more than you get in other areas. So, you know, you might get that in surfing, you know, your, your five best barrels of the day or, or whatever. In cloud break, you have access to it more than anybody else on the planet. Or in ski racing, I'm sure that it's, that's an incredible state as well. But how do you relate to those states? And maybe, Julia, you can start on this one. How do you relate to those states? How important are they? Is it, is it something that, you know, a lot of people like to use the term adrenaline junkie I actually think it's more flow than adrenaline. I think adrenaline is kind of the byproduct and after effect of the state that you crave. It, um, but it'd be fun to have a conversation around that given your experiences. Uh, well, yeah, I think flow state, yeah, it could definitely be described as some all of those things, but it's really to me about being in the moment. And I think that's what's so incredible about sports and being able to get outside and do things in nature and really just put all of your focus and energy into the task at hand. And it's really, um, 
funny because actually sometimes my mind wanders when I'm foiling more than <laughs> other sports. Uh, I guess for yeah. me, I just don't get that big of an adrenaline rush once I'm on it. Like, of course, the takeoff is, but um, is, you know, exhilarating. But maybe <laughs> you're just that good of an athlete where it's not hard for you <laughs> yeah i actually get mad at myself sometimes when i'm foiling because i'm like oh why can't i stop thinking about this stuff i should be having fun foiling <laughs> um it's probably because i don't get to talk to anyone i'm like out there by myself and i like to talk no one would know <laughs> it's like um you know until you're actually doing the sport like skiing or surfing but yeah it's that's why I love sports and that's why it's something that's super important to me and to my family. Um, you know, something I want to raise my kids doing, and I'm just a real believer that, that sports bring out the best in us and especially sports that bring you outside in nature, which is why I've always really loved skiing and why I've always really loved surfing. Um, I guess I was lucky enough to be introduced to both of those sports at a young age and they've just really stuck with me. Um, and really help kind of define who I am. And that comes back to the flow, the flow state really, because I feel like I'm my best self when I'm outside in the moment in nature. So, yeah. Is there a difference for you though? Like, um, what I, the moment I'm trying to get at is when everything else drops away. You know, and I'm sure that you've experienced some incredibly intense moments in your life. Are there any that jump out at you where, I mean, Kai Lenny was on the show in a show that I used to do, and he discussed um, this one drop. It was, remember like, I don't know, it's probably six years ago at this point, he had that one incredible airdrop um, at Piahi. And, you know, it was like dropped probably 15 feet and landed on his tail. And he walked through that encounter and it was about 15 minutes in his mind. It was insane because he was going through different scenarios of how his rail could land and how he wanted to enter the water. And what, you know, it, it was really incredible how um, his mind just broke everything down in that moment. Is that something that you've experienced? Yeah, I think actually ski racing is really unique because you actually get the opportunity to put yourself in those situations multiple times a day a lot of days throughout the year um mm -hmm. and so that's probably why like I'm even more trained for that and maybe why it doesn't come to be like oh this crazy moment because of course I had those moments but whereas you know, Kai and all these big wave surfers, like there's only so many waves you can catch. I mean, if you're Kai, you're catching a ton in a day, but still, right. what are those rides at the most? I don't know, like 15 seconds of jaws. And, um, you know, we're racing downhill courses that are one and a half minutes long, where the second your mind wanders, you are done. You know, you're going a hundred miles an hour and you're going to hit the fence. Like there's no... <laughs> less or more consequences than big wave surfing but I'd say like we practice our sport over a longer period of time for many more hours I'd say like the cumulative hours even though they're still pretty small because it's such a short window of time that you actually get to do that run are pretty long I mean we Dylan was lucky enough to travel with me for a season and um, we spend a lot of time training and it's never easy you never really let your mind wander and I can remember all of the courses that I raced 
throughout my career, probably just like you said, like I always explain it as a high, the same thing as a high speed camera, you know, when you are shooting 240 frames per second, when we see that visually to the eye, that's like really, really slow motion. And it's the same thing when you're skiing that fast, which is probably the same thing I can imagine surfing really scary waves that are really long, you know, time slows down and you can describe every millisecond of what's happening. And it's pretty incredible. But um, yeah, that's what I mean when I talk about sports and being outside and loving it. That's why I love it, because you do get those moments where you have to be a thousand percent concentrated on where you are right then and there. And if your mind wanders anywhere else, like that's when accidents happen. How do you relate to it, Dylan? I have a funny segue on that. It's almost the opposite because I feel like when I go foiling, uh, you know, if we have a, a little baby and time is not always on our side. Sometimes we get to go do things together when we have help. Grandma's here, you know, taking care of our, our little guy or something like that. But sometimes we take turns and I, I find that whenever I go out for a foil and it's my turn and Julia's home with our little guy, she always is like, you were out there forever. And I'll come in at dark pretty much. And it'll have felt like I was only out for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't find that, that foiling really gets me uh, the adrenaline that surfing did. I, I think mm-hmm. that even just sitting in the lineup on a big day at, at cloud break, you, you just, you know, your heart's in your throat the whole time. Almost. You don't, you don't know if there's going to be a, a big one that breaks outside that catches everybody inside. You don't know, you know, what's going to happen. And, and the waves that you do catch are definitely a uh, flow state in that time does really stand still. And, and riding a wave when I'm surfing is definitely one of the few times that I'm completely mindless. Uh, you know, we sit in the lineup and we're, you know, thinking of everything that's going on. And but when you actually stand up and, and ride the wave, everything else just leaves. And uh, I, I think Julia touched on it too. The, the amount of time that you ride a wave surfing is two seconds, five seconds, 10 seconds. I mean, a 10 second barrel is like, you know, a lot of people have never experienced that. And then the, these, these foiling experiences we have, they just last so much longer. And um, yeah, when we foil in Fiji, Julia touched on it, there's two and three minute long rides, uh, when you let go of the rope and, uh, catch one of those waves and, and here on Maui, these downwinders, I mean, you're, you're just gliding. And I think that, uh, it becomes almost like a meditative state where, you know, you're, you're able to think about things and you're able to process things. And it's not that you're in your head necessarily, but you're definitely present. And I, I don't feel that I'm, I'm checking out as much mentally as I used to when I surf more, um, mm-hmm. which I don't know if it's flow state, but it's definitely something different that I really like. <laughs> yeah. You know, the longer foil runs, I find the, the meditative um, state really resonates with me especially when you're on a good one and, and you want to keep it going, you're getting close to your personal best. And I feel like foiling trades some of the adrenaline for the endorphin for like the runner's high type of feeling. Yeah. You know, which I, I like that too. Yeah. And I don't know if that's different or better or 
doesn't really matter, I guess, at a certain point, it, it just is. And for those of us that are doing it a lot more than we are surfing and other sports, uh, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for the fact that we're, we're choosing that. Uh, I definitely enjoy the way I feel and even the way I feel after, I mean, mm-hmm. to take it to the next step. I mean, the, the actual, the, the, the process and the feelings that you get while you're doing it are one thing, but you know, you come in from a good foil and I definitely, Julia said it, uh, that she's her best when she's out in nature and, and doing these things. But I almost feel like I'm at my best as a husband and a father. And, you know, even with work and things like that, uh, when I've been out foiling for an extended period of time, you know, you, you, you kind of take care of yourself and then your, your, your cup is full. Uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, I just, I sleep better. I, I just, I, I think I'm a better version of myself when I'm getting in the water and foiling, if not every day, at least, you know, often it's good to take yeah. breaks too and let the body catch up. Foiling can be a little bit tough on the body at times, especially as we get a little older. Do you find that it's harder on your body than surfing? Cause I find the opposite. I, I have a back issue. I have a spondylolisthesis at a L4, L5, I guess, and all the torque from surfing. I can't, I can surf the way I used to surf. It's just that I'm in jail the next day from all the rotation stress because it's it, there's so much torque involved where foiling i find that there's so much more flow in the way that you turn that it doesn't affect me the same way it's actually incredibly healthy for my body i find are you finding the opposite no i i mean i i think it's healthy in a lot of aspects i have a lot of compensatory patterns i i also have lower back issues uh l5s1 uh herniations okay. and some degenerative disc stuff and uh, just too many years of getting in train wrecks at cloud break. Uh, <laughs> not nothing, no one injury in particular, but just yeah, cumulative over time. Uh, and foiling can be a challenge, uh, especially with my leg injury now kind of entering into the equation. I, my body mechanics are probably uh, compensating in certain ways. And I do a lot of work on it uh, with some really cool people mm-hmm. here on Maui trying to make sure that I'm doing things functionally correct. But uh, yeah, I think that pumping and I, I think that uh, for my, my, my leg, my, my foot and leg injury, uh, it's just foiling so quiet on your feet and ankles. You know, it's like there's no, mm-hmm. there's no torque on, on your feet and ankles. People think it's crazy that I can foil, but I don't think that I can surf or that I could foil before I could surf from a, you know, a rehab kind of cross training standpoint. And I just feel like it's, you know, it's so much more steering with your upper body and, uh, yeah, there's just, you, you don't have the, the same torque that you do from surfing. Uh, and that's just because you don't have that big long rail in the water. It's, it's just so much more fluid and just easier, but definitely the, uh, just the, the physical challenge of, of pumping and, you know, with your leg muscles, and, uh, how that kind of ties into your, you know, your, uh, SI joint and in, into your back. I, I do have some issues with it from time to time, but yeah. <laughs> that's probably just from overdoing it. Yeah, that, that's the thing about foiling is it's so fun. It's really easy to overdo. I didn't take a day off over the winter, I think for, I don't know, 35 days and my legs were sore to the touch all the time. <laughs> you know, I was like, what are you going to do? It's good every day. You got to um, go. When the conditions go. are good, you got to take advantage. 
And the problem with foil, that's our surfing mindset, right? The problem with foiling is it's always good. <laughs> yeah, it's wait, so till, wait till you get the wing fired or wired. Uh, when you start doing the winging, then there's no down days. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. And this one, I, I had thought about talking to, to you, Julia, about this last year. And I think it would probably enough time has changed. And I, and I can not we cannot include this if, if you don't want to, but it looked like on Instagram, was it a year or so ago, you posted doing something with, it's Sunny, right? Yeah. Yeah, with, with Sunny um, skiing or something. And so people got angry about, you know, um, doing something rad with your kid. And I mean, our daughter was two days old and I had her on the nose of a surfboard you know, holding her up while we were playing in waves in Costa Rica. And I think that exposure is a really good thing. And I think that we've come into this kind of protect everyone from everything mentality. And I didn't know if you could maybe talk a little about a, a little bit about your philosophy of raising your kids and the environments you're going to raise them in. And, you know, in our family, we talk about kind of raising like bulletproof kids. You want your kids to be tough mentally and physically and, and, that doesn't mean tough, like beating people up. It means tough, like being able to handle whatever life throws at them. And I just love hearing about different parents' philosophies on, on raising kids. Yeah, I think um, philosophy, philosophically, we, I don't know if we have necessarily a philosophy, but I think that sharing your joy and passion for sports and things outdoors um, is really important but I also feel like to add to what you said like we're living in this time where people are so protective and there's so much like judgment in other people it I think a lot of just humanity in general has forgotten about the power of our intuition and that like parents intuition is you know if you can really touch in like touch base with that and understand your own limitations and boundaries and knowing like when you take your kid out to do what actually is safe and what isn't then um then it's easier to make good decisions right and I don't think anyone can make a decision for what's you know you're comfortable to do with your child as a parent except for you and right that is something that we think about all the time and and I think it's important to know when to do things and when not like I've definitely gotten in a situation where I was like oh I shouldn't have done that and then you know I won't do it again like taking Sunny out in the ocean on a building swell um Dylan was really mad <laughs> several <laughs> times <laughs> wow but um but yeah I don't know I think it's hard like I think looking back on my childhood and what my parents had given they allowed me the freedom to explore and ski and you know even with skiing you know we never even wore helmets as a kid so you know now in this age like oh I forgot a helmet or to do this and that it's like yeah okay it might not be the smartest thing but it's fine you know like it wasn't like this crazy thing as kids that when you skied there were all these head injuries um, they were still accidents, which still happen with helmets. So, um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I think that, you know, for us, we really want our kids to love the outdoors as much as we do. And I agree with you, just bringing them into situations like 
going surfing, like going in the water, the earlier, the better Then they kind of are used to it. It's not this new scary thing. And it's almost like part of their life. And that's sort of what we've tried to do with Sunny is we just want to introduce him to things so that they seem normal. And so that he knows like, if that's something I want to do, I can go explore and do that and not be necessarily afraid. I got to watch something incredibly rad today, which was a buddy of mine um, uh, rode waves with his son for the first time. His son's five and took him out and caught waves with his son on the nose. And his son loves my son is 12, good, you know, good friends. And um, so he, my son then, who's, who's a pretty decent surfer, took him out and they caught waves together. And so the uh, kid was so stoked. This five-year-old kid just ear to ear this afternoon. It was it was really cool to be a part of that. It is uh, so fun. And it's so fun to watch kids do things that they didn't even know would bring them joy. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. I mean, I think it's just like we want to teach our child to, you know, not have or not lead with a fear-based mentality. We want them to be excited mm -hmm. to explore and, you know, you're going to learn the hard way sometimes, but um, just life in general to not live with so much fear to just go out and do it. You know, I mean, people tell me all the time, I look crazy foiling with this like huge belly and like, okay, yeah, it might not be the smartest thing for most people, especially if it's not something you're really good at or you don't have confidence and like, sure, something bad could happen, but I don't really choose that mindset. I choose the mindset of like, okay, what can I control? What can I not control? Like, of course, I'm not going to go out there and push the limits like I would in a normal situation, but I'm also just not thinking of worst case scenario. I'm just going out and trying to enjoy myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about how that mentality probably helped you through competition and the speeds and not really thinking about the, I actually just um, recorded a podcast with a friend who's a 22, I think 22, 23 year SEAL team vet. He taught at sniper school for his last couple of years, SEAL team sniper school. So pretty legit guy. And he just relates to fear unlike anyone else I know. And, and you seem to have a similar mindset in how you relate to, to fear, um, well, which is interesting. I think it's like, also think of that, which you want in your life, not what you don't want. Right. And so once you start practicing that in everyday life, and I've always, you know, I had an amazing upbringing and my mom taught me some really invaluable lessons. And one of them was just to always like throw up the stop sign. Like, don't bring your mind to where you don't want to go. Always think of where you want to go and project that and, and move forward, you know, deal with the downs when they come. But if you, um, I think the likelihood of them happening is far less when you're just, you know, focusing on um, what you want in your life, whether it's sports mm -hmm. or other things, instead of what you don't want, which is injury. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, how how has COVID affected your life in the last? I mean, over the the course of COVID and traveling back and forth to Fiji and and all of that. Oh, that's a, that's a painful one. Uh, I bet. I mean, I, bet. I, I think the most positive way I could put that is we uh, have really just tried to focus on all of our blessings and 
you know, not really let our minds wander to things like we wish that we were able to go back to Fiji. We have a great setup here uh, on Maui and have really enjoyed our time here uh, as a family, especially with Sonny being young. We actually had a lot of uh, travel scheduled with Julia's work uh, last spring. And I just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, as her work got canceled and things got stranger and stranger, we uh, came to Maui and have been here for the better part of, of this whole situation. And yeah, just really trying to uh, count our blessings and focus on all the good and, and abundance and everything that we're so fortunate to have in our lives. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's so good and, you know, boiling and time with our family and things like that. I, I actually feel guilty because there's just such a, you know, a mix of things going on in the world right now. There's so many people suffering through all this and uh, we've definitely had our challenges with, with work and business and things like that. But uh, yeah, just really trying to enjoy our time as a family and, and trying to embrace it and just realize that everything is the way it is and you can't necessarily change it. So just try and stay positive. But yeah, we haven't been to Fiji in 16 months. <laughs> wow. That's the same amount of time we haven't been to Costa Rica in. And, you know, that was home for, it's been really tough for us too. And hopefully we get to go back here over the summer at some point, but Costa Rica is in a bad spot right now. Case cases are like ICUs are full. I've got a buddy who's living down there for a long time. who's probably about to bail for the next few months and just come back to the States and wait it out, which is hard, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely a strange time in the world and, uh, just hoping for, better days ahead yeah absolutely and thank goodness for foiling because it's kind of i mean it saved me um having to live on the east coast oh Just... i can only imagine <laughs> yeah i agree I mean, it's I not mean, it saved me too but for different reasons and yeah uh i look at the ocean in different ways everywhere i go i mean just it doesn't matter i go to california and I bring foil gear. I never would have thought to go and surf in California. I didn't right. surf at all in Hawaii. Although you find out really fast, like, I think when we first started foiling, we're like, this is awesome. We're going to be able to foil all the crappy waves that no one ever wants to surf. And then you're like, oh, actually, it has to be deep enough. <laughs> <So> <laughs> there's always that. But yeah, it's really, it's really fun. And yeah, we're, I think it's like the whole situation with travel and work like for us personally couldn't have come at a better time because we're having kids and so it's been really nice mm -hmm. to focus on on just spending a lot of time I mean I think I was supposed to travel for two months last March um, of course I was bringing Sunny with me and Dylan was going to catch up but you know we went from going to jump from hotel to hotel and you know of course amazing experiences but you know, kids, he probably wouldn't remember that. We went from that to coming home and we actually never even thought to set up his bedroom. We had a guest room and like he was sleeping in his pack and play still. And that was going to be his room. And it went from, you know, wait a minute, we need a kid's room. And I don't know if we would have gotten there because we would have probably been back in Fiji already, like, you know, two months later. So now we had the opportunity to, you know, kind of make a little more normal life for him and mm -hmm. I know kids thrive off of just routine and knowing even though like it's amazing to go do things with kids and show them the world they also just want to 
be in their bed and in their room with their toys. So um, yeah, for us, it's kind of been a blessing in that way too. Yeah, that, that's epic. We found the same moments as well to where it was hard to be locked down, but it was kind of rad to be locked down for the first while with our kids. It was, it was pretty fun. You know, my daughter dove into music. She's always been musical, but I think she wrote 170 songs or something ridiculous in the first six months of the pandemic. You know, she just writes every day. And it's just really cool to, to see that come out. It's like whenever I've gotten injured in surfing, something else cool has come from it. Knock on wood, I don't want to get hurt right now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's, you know, there's, there's always good in everything. What, what's the best season to go to Fiji for foiling? It's probably the opposite of when everyone wants to go. Is that, is that true or no? Yeah. I, I mean, it's always good to foil down there. Uh, yeah. If, if it's too big or too windy, uh, there's just, there's always places to go. And I just, yeah, I find that the, the slower months, November, December, uh, even January and February can be really amazing. And there's less people around, which, I don't know about you, but I prefer to not foil around other people, uh, especially <laughs> people who aren't foiling. Uh, so yeah, there's just kind of less people in the zone. I, I feel like that time of year is a little bit quieter and uh, there's not as much wind. So for, for prone foiling, uh, definitely sort of the, the, what we would call the, the shoulder off season. Uh, but it's, it's good year round. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. What is the, set up like if you want to get towed around like if i was planning a trip to fiji actually we were supposed to do our 15 year wedding anniversary in fiji and that was right when my wife got sick and we had to come back so we didn't do it it was our best trip ever for our 10 year it was amazing we did two weeks on the island um it's best trip we've ever we've ever taken it was insane and um what's the setup like for getting towed or you know the waves that i see you riding down there or Kiahi's dropped a bunch of good videos yeah. off of Tavaru, it looks like. What are those waves? And, and you know, is it you pay for a, a ski? Yeah, to be honest, we never really got there. I mean, the whole foil thing was so new uh, when I left a year ago in, in February. I mean, that was kind of, I guess it was our second season foiling down there, but uh, it hadn't really taken off as much as it is now and we didn't get a lot of uh sort of foil specific inquiries and uh, we've been you know fiji's been closed for all these months now and uh it'll be interesting to see sort of what's available when the world hopefully gets back to some semblance of normalcy uh mm -hmm. but yeah uh ski availability and and uh drivers and everything i mean we really haven't gotten there as a business it's not something that we've gotcha. really sort of capitalized on or, or really started marketing uh so selfishly we probably wish that it had stayed a little bit quiet because uh the last time we were there there were quite a few skis running around and uh it definitely changes the experience a bit and i got actually more sure. into the, the prone side of things uh the last time we were down there uh just because there were maybe a few too many jet skis around and just the sound of them and the, the chop and the prop wash and everything else kind of creates a little bit of turbulence. And so I was kind of gravitating towards more just the, the prone uh, away from where everybody was going. But um, yeah, it's something we'll definitely be looking at uh, as we gear up for reopening. And right on. yeah, I, I think uh, in a perfect world, 
if you wanted to hire a, a, a driver and take your out foiling. Uh, we, we were definitely kind of, there were some people doing lessons on the side, which we kind of, uh, I guess, translated into if you wanted to get towed into a wave and your skill set was there, then uh, there were some people that were doing that uh, close by uh, and it was an option, but sort of not something that the resort formally offered for a plethora of different reasons, liability being one of them. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Um, it's, yeah, we, we make people, you probably remember sign a liability waiver when you come in and it lists just about everything in the world, but uh, yep. yeah, foiling is, uh, I mean, knock on wood, I haven't hurt myself too seriously. You hear some bad stories, but uh, yeah, surfboards are dangerous too, right? <laughs> Especially uh, uh, what I always tell people is foiling, it's generally higher tide, deeper water, smaller waves, less people around. Surfing is you know, oftentimes lower tide, waves breaking bigger in shallower water with more people. <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah, I think just the level of comfort and sort of uh, what you're up for. It's uh, you're, you're definitely a long ways from home down there. And, uh, when you do, oh, yeah. When you do get hurt, uh, you end up on a plane pretty quick back to somewhere where they can take care of you. Yeah, I ended up bloody on the boat after my second wave at cloud break <laughs> Didn't realize how shallow it got. It's just kebabs. It was my birthday. I swore I wasn't going to surf after the red eye, but then it was so good. Had to do it. My boards didn't show up. Barred a board from somebody on the island. Um, went super, just way too far into the shish kebab section or, or whatever that is in there and made that wave, but turned around in the next one. It wasn't that big. I mean, it was probably like maybe double overhead on the sets maybe but probably not that big and uh went to duck dive and just put my knuckles into the reef and the wave just landed on me i broke the board got destroyed <laughs> it was so bad it was so awesome though at the same time yeah you're not the only one who's had that experience uh, <laughs> those of us who've been there for longer uh learned to surf a little further up the reef and yep th those ones inside though i mean you'll get the wave of your life in there but that's a pretty common story you, you make it and straighten out doggy door or even kick out the back if you're lucky and the, the one behind it uh it's pretty nasty uh somebody actually <laughs> nick leota just posted a video from one of the last times I actually went surfing uh, two years ago in April and I got a, a fun barrel and kicked out and there's this giant one breaking behind and I reposted it and uh, I, I just my whole feed got blown up with oh my god nobody cared about the barrel they're like oh my god how was the <laughs> next one on your head that's uh, awesome yeah yeah is it deep enough to chip in like on the inside of restaurants and then foil in there can you foil right off the beach there? Oh yeah, we uh we we love it. The, there's a little wave right in front. You probably remember it's called Kitty Land yep. right in front of the restaurant. Yep. And, uh, the funny story when there's lots of kids on soft tops out there, we kind of discourage the foiling for obvious reasons. Sure. And uh, we we go out there whenever we can. High tides totally fine. Medium tide gets a little dicey. Uh, there's a couple of shallow spots, but yeah, you can chip in right there and pump all the way out to restaurants and. Uh, restaurants you can take off pretty much anywhere on that reef at high tide if it's not too big and yeah it's uh not your traditional kind of slopey foil wave it's definitely uh a little different but with the right wing it's uh it's pretty fun uh it, it's a it. it's a fun experience for sure have you uh have you connected into a good one at restaurants yet just how fun would that be just like a head high day and just run that whole whole bank 
Julia is laughing because you know we do it pretty often. <laughs> oh god, that sounds so rad. And then you kick out and pump back out halfway and loop into the next one and then do that three or four times until your legs and lungs are cooked. And uh yeah, it's uh yeah, Dylan's impressive out there. He took some pretty steep drops. Oh man. Do you have any videos or photos of that? It'd be great to post a photo of uh, uh that for the, the show cover and then one of you foiling too, Julia. Yeah, we can definitely send you some stuff. Uh, I'll dig back through the archives and see if we've got a little clip or something or a photo. That'd be epic. Well, I'm going to go jump on dinner here in a second, but thank you guys so much for spending the time. Um, what do you want to leave folks with? Oh, and actually, Julia, talk, talk about your podcast a little bit too and where people can find it. And, um, and um, Yeah, I think, okay, so what I would leave people like okay so what i would leave people with is just that foiling is awesome and <laughs> it's so much like riding a bike i mean i guess you probably don't have people that listen very often that don't foil but um for spouses you know if your guys are listening like don't not let your wife go because it's like awesome this is not a female male sport even though males i would say are way more tech Nicole junkies and nerds about that stuff <laughs> um <laughs> that it's like yeah it's not as dangerous as it looks I feel like if you get the basics down and learn how to fall which is like kind of the most important thing and how to get away from the foil I feel like it's often looked at as way more dangerous than it actually is um it's super fun and yeah I do a podcast called just be yourself I'm the host and my mission is to share stories and, um, you know, mostly about how people were raised and the obstacles they've had to overcome in life to get to where they are today. And really just to remind everyone that life's infinite possibilities really begin with just being yourself. And it's been a lot of fun. So um, there's incredible stories on there of Olympians to storytellers, um, you know, just seemingly normal people <laughs> so it's okay. it's just awesome to have stories that you can relate to and i love sharing them so you can check that out wherever you listen to podcasts epic dylan don't let your wife get into foiling it's too expensive if you both do it <laughs> 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 no definitely get your wife out on the foil uh it's just a great way to enjoy the ocean together and or be single or, or be single and if you if you love foiling as much as a lot of us you uh, may end up single because you're going to spend too much time in the water um but yeah get your kids foiling get your whole family foiling it's a great way to enjoy the ocean together and yeah thanks for having us on and uh keep up the good work we love watching your foiling stuff you're definitely an inspiration uh you've definitely got me interested in looking at some high aspect stuff that Oh, killer thank you looks like fun yeah yeah the, the 1125 is gonna be epic wait till the night to, uh, wait till the 925 comes out i'm waiting for that one yeah we're all excited about that one yeah for those of you listening if you haven't gotten yourself any armstrong gear i highly recommend it they don't pay me to say that but <laughs> <laughs> i uh i tried a lot of different gear and i really haven't been looking for anything since uh i got on the armstrong stuff it's been a lot of fun epic uh, well, thank you guys so much for the time. This has been really fun. And hopefully we cross paths one day in Maui or 
on on Fiji, preferably. Yeah, Florida doesn't sound too bad either. <laughs> it's epic for foiling, man. I mean, once you have foil eyes, the beauty of it is it's just all open sandbars, and you can just have a half mile to yourself whenever you want. Yeah, that's definitely appealing to us. So, yeah, we look forward to continuing the conversation uh, in person. This is the Progression Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Anthemson.